0: Morning. It's good to see you all today. Uh, many of you are here from foreign lands. And uh, we know you're here for an exciting time of seeing Austin and Lynette brought together in marriage. And uh, we've been excited about this for some time and, and uh, the day came. And uh, so we welcome you here. We're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, as we continue to go through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is helping us know as children of God, as those who have been redeemed, as those who have been transferred uh, from death to life, how we are to live as kingdom citizens in this world. Uh, There are... Uh, criteria that he's laying out and some truths that he is putting before us and uh, the way that we are supposed to live as children of God and be a witness and a testimony to those that are around us. And uh, we're looking today at verses 38 through 42. And uh, in a nutshell, Jesus is saying, don't exact vengeance. Okay? Okay. Don't retaliate when people do evil against you. And he gives us some great examples of that and how we are supposed to live as kingdom citizens, how we're supposed to respond. He's giving instruction of how kingdom citizens relate to those who have evil intent. Uh, how we are to relate to those who, uh, who do not share values that we share uh, as the people of God. Uh, such as honesty and truth. Uh, they, they have a different way of thinking about the world, and they have a different way of thinking about themselves. And Jesus is saying, let me, let me encourage you to respond to them in particular ways. And so he's giving us that uh, in this text today. Let me just say This personal vengeance does not demonstrate the grace and love of the gospel. I mean, God has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We can trust Him to do that well. We can trust Him to fulfill the promise that He will do the repayment of those who act in evil ways toward His children. As Christians, we're called into citizenship in the kingdom of God, and our lives are to be lived in obedience to the word of God. And in doing that, they are lives that are contrasted against uh, those who have rejected the gospel. And so Jesus wants us to see this and understand this. And this is uh, in the context of, uh, of a time when the Pharisees taught the people... And they taught the people according to their interpretation of the law. And Jesus is putting that out. And he's putting the law out there and saying this is what the law says. And you've heard that it says this. But let me instruct you and let me say this. Let me tell you what is meant by this law that they say you're to live by. And there's many ways that uh, the Pharisees misconstrued the law and misinterpreted, and misunderstood, and taught poorly. And it created a whole generation of people who were actually exacting revenge, who were actually uh, taking into their own hands personal revenge and doing things that God had commanded them not to do. So I I want us to look at this, and how I want to examine this today is, is I have two points, all right? The first point is what the law says. I mean, he comes right out and says. You've heard that it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The implication is is that this is what the law says, but this is what has been taught. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the first thing is what the law says. And then the second thing is what Jesus says. All right? That's That's the two points. Now, under the first point, I have three points. All right? And I'm going to tell you about those here in just a moment, okay? Y'all think, man, two-point sermon, he's never preached a two-point sermon. You know, well, okay. For your entertainment and satisfaction, it's now five. And under the second point, I have four points. That equals nine. This is from somebody who's terrible in math, okay? But I'm going to move through them rather quickly because I want you to get a concept and an idea because Jesus is saying the same thing all the way through this text. He's saying the same thing, and he's saying it in different ways. And so I want us to catch that. So the first thing I want us to see, look what it says, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Now, let me deal with that last sentence that I wrote. Do not resist the one who is evil. Uh, Let me say it in another way. Do not push back in the same manner that you're being pushed against. Don't push back with evil. Is what's going on. Don't resist them with evil. But resist them with grace. It's really not resistance so much as it's let me be gracious to you. Let me be loving to you. Let me be kind to you. And so uh, that one sentence is helping us to see that he's saying don't, don't use evil like they're using. Instead, use grace. Instead, use love. So Jesus brings out the law. Well, where he's quoting from is Leviticus chapter 24. You might take a look with me there. Uh, Leviticus chapter 24. And I want us to look at verse 17, and I'll read through uh, verse 22, okay? Uh, Just to get the, uh, the full thing that he's saying there. Uh, So, Leviticus 24, 17. Jesus is quoting this. He says, you've heard that it was said. So when he's saying that, he's not saying, you've heard that it was written. He's saying, you've heard that it is said. Now, he's quoting exactly what it says here. uh, But what he's pointing to when he says, you've heard that it is said, he's pointing to the interpretation of what the law says. That the Pharisees have given So let's just read this for a moment, Uh, Leviticus 24, 17. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person, shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. And whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native. For I am the Lord your God. Now I read all that. We're going to go back and we're going to key in on what he says. Fracture for fracture. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. Whatever injury. Uh, And and so he's, he's... Pointing to these things. Now, what is it that they're saying? Now, uh, the law says this an eye for an eye. That's point one. The Pharisees were basically taking this text as instruction that personal vengeance was instructed by Moses, and it wasn't. The opposite is true. This law is. Also known as the law of the talon, okay, like a claw, the law of the talon uh, was given to discourage personal revenge or personal vengeance. Blood feuds uh, were common in the day. And uh, they're not really uncommon today. There are often many blood feuds. Probably the most uh, famous in American times are uh, 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 the Hatfields and McCoys. I mean, it just kind of went on for generations. And so, we, we still talk about that. We write books about that. We make movies about that. And these feuds uh, that we engage in. But What we need to understand is that the law was designed so that these would not take place to prevent such generational feuds. In other words, a law was enacted so that uh, you would not uh, get things out of order and out of place. The second purpose of the law of the Talon was to ensure a proportionate punishment. It was given to keep people from taking a head for an eye or an eye for an ear. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, growing up, I mean, some of us, we had fathers, and they, they would discipline us, and we respect them for it to this day. But there were some times when I kind of thought, okay, he's going to get every pound of flesh he wants out of me right now, you know, in, in punishment. And so we learn that what Jesus is pointing to is that you want a proportional response. What's fair? What's equitable? It's assumed that a, a judge will make decisions uh, in this way. Civil uh, uh, vengeance is, or, or civil. Uh, magistrates decide, make a decision using measures of equality. This is how they are to judge. It's how they were to judge then. It's how they're to judge now. What is right? What is equal? What's proportionate? A proportionate response is uh, used in military terms and things like that. So somebody Blows up a, a plane. Well, the government says, well, we're going to blow up your communications tower and uh, this government facility. Hey, would you get everybody out of there? Because we're going to drop a bomb there. They don't go invade the whole nation. But they have a proportionate response. That comes from the law such as this. The reason that is is because left to ourselves, if someone injures us, if someone does evil toward us, Left to ourselves and our flesh, man, we, we, won't, we won't give out a proportional response. We'll pour out all the wrath we've got in association with what took place. So that's one reason that this has been given, uh, this, this law was given. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. Left to ourselves, we'll demand that pound of flesh. For a minor infraction. Thirdly. I want us to see. That the law was designed to put. The fear of God. In those who have evil motives. I read all of this down to. In Leviticus 24. Down to verse 22. Because there at the end. He says for I am the Lord your God. This is the basis. Of this law. And I want you to know if you're not going to act accordingly you need to know that you're going to have to deal with me on it. That's what what the Lord is saying in this text. He's letting them know you're going to have to deal with me. All right, I'm giving you the law. Israel y'all hold to this. If you have sojourners hold them to the same standard. But I'm the Lord. He wanted to put the fear of God instead of vengeance we are to Love our neighbor. That's what the Old Testament says. That's Old Testament teaching, by the way. That didn't come about in the New Testament. We're to love our neighbor. Teaching of the Pharisees, on the other hand, promoted vengeance. So they encouraged the people of God uh, to, uh, to take their anger and their bitterness And justify it by the law of God. Well the law of God says an eye for an eye. So you knock my my son's eye out. I'm going to knock your son's eye out. Jesus teaches this. He teaches. No. Respond by grace. You know if you're actually going to live this out. You're not going to exact any vengeance at all but you're going to be gracious. I was trying to remember this morning which commentator it was I was reading. And he told a story of a man in Ireland. And he was there, a visiting professor. And the IRA was... There was some bombings taking place. And his daughter... Was killed by one of those bombs. The reporter asked him. Do you want to take revenge on them? He says no. He says I want them to know Christ. I want them to know. And become people. Who don't blow bombs up. And kill innocent people. Now, he wasn't saying, well, I don't want the authorities going after the people who did this and bringing justice to them. But personally, he had in his heart, he had been transformed by the love of Christ, and he had in his heart, no, I don't, I don't have any hatred toward these people. I want them to know the love of Christ. Christ. So, what the law says and what the Pharisees were teaching was something completely different. They were teaching, well, the scripture teaches us to take vengeance. Even though God says over and over again, I will avenge. That's what he says, I will avenge. Don't, you don't really avenge, I'll do it, because we'll do it wrong. So, Jesus teaches the opposite of what the Pharisees teach. Once again, once again, extend grace and love and caring and gentleness. So, the law had its purpose to bring the fear of God into those who have evil motives. To execute a proportionate punishment. To prevent. Blood feuds. Sorry, I was distracted. There was a wasp right there. He flew away. I was fixing to smack him. Y'all are going to get to see that. So what does Jesus say? He gives four things for us to look at and consider and we know all these things we use them all the time we see that he he points to something how should we respond how should Christians how should kingdom citizens respond and so he says this but I say to you do not resist the one who is evil but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. This is East Texas. We don't know nothing about that turning cheek stuff, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was brought up, you know, you're out on the playground and, you know, some kid punches you. Your daddy says, well, you, you punch him back, you know. That's what I was taught to do. And I read this and I was kind of like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that, but. Jesus isn't saying, hey, stand there and you should get beat up. We need to understand the context. And so it's so important to understand the context of what he's doing and what he's saying and what he's highlighting and what he's making a priority. And that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ resonate in our response. That we make the gospel of Christ a priority as children of God. Many look at this verse to see uh, something that Jesus is not saying. First, they use this as an argument against capital punishment. Here recently we we had a, uh, a lesson uh, in our worldview class on Sunday evening in reference to capital punishment. Uh, but the offense here in this passage is. Not someone killing someone, but it's an insult. That's what this slap on the face is. It's an insult. And it was actually a punishable offense for someone to slap you on the face in this way. And to uh, bring this insult against you. Others say that Jesus is promoting passivity or non-resistance. But instead, Jesus is saying this. Don't let an insult Calls you to insist upon your rights. Boy, we live in a, play, a, a land of rights, don't we? Everybody uh, uh, calls for rights. Some rights that people don't have. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You have a, a right to respond, but lay aside your rights. You don't have a right to respond in evil. But instead... Respond with grace. It goes back to, do not resist the one who is evil in the same way that they have come against you. But extend grace. Our response is to be gracious, filled with the love of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul tells us that there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. There's no law against those things. But to live in that way. In John chapter 18. Turn with me there and look. We see Jesus not turning the other cheek. John chapter 18. It helps us to understand what's going on. And what he means. So in John chapter 18. Verse. uh, I'm going to back up. To verse 19. He's being questioned by the high priest. Um, And it says in verse 19 of John 18. The high priest. Then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered them. I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple. Where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me. What I said to them, they know what I said. Verse 22, it says, When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered them, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? So, what we see here is we see Jesus getting struck and then using the law i mean he's he's being questioned under the law, and he's using the law and he says he says, "Why'd you strike me?" So we're not looking at something here that is uh a uh, uh, a sense in which someone has acted uh is acting unlawfully or they could be but He's not saying don't defend yourself with the law. What he is saying, however, if somebody's just insulting you because you're a Christian, okay. That's not what's going on in Jesus' trial. So what Jesus is saying here is is don't let an insult for being good, don't let an insult for being a Christian, don't let an insult for doing things, that you're called to do, calls you to act in an evil way like those who insult you. Don't do that. Peter gives us an example in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, he, in verses 22 through 24, he points to Jesus again as an example verse 18 he says servants be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust for this is a gracious thing when mindful of god one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure Justly. Man, that's... What an example. He did not deserve the injustice being poured out on him. But he bore it for the sake of you and me. And Peter's using him as an example. I mean, he says, what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it and endure? But when you Suffer, do good and suffer for it, you endure. It's a gracious thing before God. So he uses Jesus as an example. And for us, as we're going about and we're living out as believers, we're living out our lives as Christians, and people ridicule us, or they do evil against us because of the gospel, because of Christ, We endure. We don't retaliate as a non-Christian. We endure as those whose hope is not in that this person get his. But our hope is in the God who saved us and sustains us and upholds us. And will bring about justice. So what Jesus said, the first thing. Turn the other cheek when you're insulted. Secondly, hold your possessions loosely. Hold your possessions loosely. Look there at Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. You know, the tunic... uh, People had a few of those. Now, I can't imagine that the closets of the people of Israel during Jesus' day looked like our closets, okay? Just packed from wall to wall, you know, with all sorts of clothes that we hadn't worn in years, but we might lose the weight and get back down to it, you know. But they probably had two or three different tunics, you know. Uh, and, and those were, those were a, a covering, you know, right there immediately on the body. But then there was another garment called a cloak. And that cloak was actually something uh, that there was a rule about. Is that you could take the cloak for a financial pledge. But before nightfall, you had to return that cloak to someone. In other words, it was against the law to take that cloak because that cloak was used as a covering at night to keep someone warm. And so what we see is that uh, you, you couldn't keep this pledge. But Jesus is saying, if somebody wants your tunic, give them your cloak. Now, he's not saying just give all your stuff away, you know, and give all your possessions away. But he is making the point that he's making the whole time, is when we meet opposition and persecution because of the gospel, we don't demand our rights. Instead, we extend grace and love. My hope's not in my cloak. My hope's in the living God. That's kind of what's coming through here. He's speaking of an attitude of the heart that we should have as believers. And the attitude of our heart is, is that we trust God more than we trust things. More than we trust men. More than we trust anything. We trust Him more. It's not some radical thing where we go and sell all our possessions and you know, give it all to the poor. And then we become the poor. Instead, what he's pointing to is he's pointing to being gracious. The next thing he points to is hold your liberty loosely. I like me some liberty. How about y'all? Okay. I like freedom. I like being able to do what I want to do. And I don't like anybody taking liberty away from me. How about yourself? But listen to what he says in verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Everybody around would have understood this because civilians could be pressed into service by Roman authorities. We see that actually with Simon of Cyrene when he is pressed into the service of carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, he was there probably for some other reason, but... The, the feast, the festival that was going on. He didn't have plans on carrying somebody's cross. The Medes and the Persians had a law where a mail carrier carrying the king's mail could press you into service. And say, here, deliver this mail for me. Or they could press your beast into service, your animal. Hey, I need your horse. Okay, I'm tired of walking. I need to deliver the king's mail. I'm, I'm, I'm taking your horse. And he'd gallop off and deliver the mail. He had to return it. But they could press someone into service. I mean, can you imagine your uh, mail carrier knocking on your door and say, Hey, I'm tired. Would you go ahead and take this bag and just deliver the rest of it? They'd be dictating your day. He says, if he wants to carry the mail one mile, you carry it two miles. Go the extra step. You see what he's pointing to again still. Be gracious. Respond in love and kindness. He's showing the laws instructing us to lay aside our own rights for the sake of the kingdom. You know, an Old Testament example pops into mind of Joseph. I mean, this guy was a dreamer, man. He had big plans for his life. And what happened? His brothers hated him, and they threw him in a well, threw him in a cistern, and sold him into slavery. And he went through good times and bad times all through that time. But he didn't grow up among his family. He didn't grow up among his his father. And he ended up rising to second over Egypt because of the wisdom that God had given him. And his brothers came looking for food at their father's uh, command. And they came in and, and, uh, and Joseph saw them. And he wept over them. And one thing Joseph could have done in his position, hey guys, I'm Joseph, you're about to get yours. I'm fixing to pay you back. I'm fixing to exact vengeance on you. Man, you are going to work every day of your life harder than you've ever worked before in the fields and the pastures with the sheep. I'm going to have you hauling rocks, busting them up. It's not what he did, is it? No. What'd he do? Guys, I'm Joseph. And he wept on them. He didn't do what people do of evil. He did what only God could cause him to do. And he forgave them. And he acted graciously toward them. And Jesus gives us this example. Hold your liberty loosely. Lastly, it's point nine. Here I am. Point nine. Give graciously. Verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Beggars and borrowers are to be treated graciously. He's not speaking of those who are professionals in the field. He's not speaking of the professional beggar and the professional borrower who will know how to get money without cost. He's speaking of those who have genuine need. And they shouldn't be brushed off, but we should respond graciously to them. I mean, this instruction, all of it, really requires wisdom to understand when and when not to exercise our rights. But if you're wronged, and as you're thinking right now, what is it you're struggling with right now? What wrong has been done? What ways have you been thinking of, This is how I'll get them back. What are you struggling with? And you're thinking of resisting the same way they are resisting. In an evil way. In an ungodly way. In a way that doesn't show that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. How will you respond in circumstances when you are insulted? Circumstances when things are demanded of you that seem unjust? How will you make known the gospel through such circumstances? If you're wrong because of being a Christian if you're wrong because of the gospel respond to your enemy with grace and love and the truth of the gospel that redeems and will change their evil move them from being evil to righteousness move them from death into life Because we're called as kingdom citizens to make known the truth of the gospel. In many ways we do that by the attitudes that we have in this life. And toward others who have attitudes of wrong toward us. But Christ has changed us and transformed us. That our attitudes would be very different. That they would be seasoned with the grace and love of Christ. Let's pray. Father, all of us face situations where our first response is retaliation, is revenge. And Lord, that wells up from a heart of flesh, a heart, Lord, that is not guided by the Spirit but guided by the flesh. And Lord, we, we don't want to give way to the flesh as believers in Jesus Christ. But Lord, we want to constantly be giving way more and more to the Spirit of God. Lord, you hadn't called us, Lord, to be in any way some type of, uh, of doormat or to be passive. But you have called us to respond in love. And so, Lord, help us, Lord, because we still, although we have been redeemed and although your spirit dwells in us, we still have this flesh. And, Lord, we are still imperfect vessels. We are still prone to wander from your truth. So, God, call us to yourself and help us to know, give us wisdom to understand how to respond to those who push against us for evil means. We love you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.